1: Isaiah 12, verses 1 through 6 in the Common English Bible. You will say on that day, I thank you, Lord. Though you were angry with me, your anger turned away and you comforted me. God is indeed my salvation. I will trust and won't be afraid. Yea, the Lord is my strength and my shield. He has become my salvation. You will draw water with joy from the springs of salvation, and you will say on that day, Thank the Lord. Call on God's name. Proclaim God's deeds among the peoples. Declare that God's name is exalted. Sing to the Lord who has done glorious things. Proclaim this throughout all the earth. Shout and sing for joy, city of Zion because the Holy One of Israel is great among you. The word of God for the people of God. To God. Thank you, Sharon, for reading
0: our lesson today from the prophet Isaiah. It would be easy for us to assume that the only place in the Bible where we have the text of songs that were sung by our ancestors would be in the book of Psalms, like the call to worship that we had today. When you look at the poetry in Psalms, it's readily apparent that people could sing those, even though we don't sing them today. But you might be surprised to learn that the scripture lesson that Sharon just read for us is another song in scripture, and it is an echo of an even more ancient song. This text is Isaiah's song of praise to the Lord for being his salvation. Isaiah thanks God that while God has been rightly angry at Israel for being disobedient, God has instead graciously replaced that anger with mercy. And in many ways, that gets to the very heart of the whole gospel. Now, I've heard some people talk about the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament, and they go on to make a distinction between a God of wrath and a God of mercy. And when I hear that, my heart breaks because they have missed the opportunity to notice God's grace and mercy and love that is all throughout the Old Testament, just like we see here in Isaiah. Isaiah sings, I thank you, Lord. Though you were angry with me, your anger turned away and you comforted me. God is indeed my salvation. I will trust and won't be afraid. Yes, the Lord is my strength and my shield. He has become my salvation. It's that final line, which is the echo of the older song. When Moses and the Israelites sang, the Lord is my strength and my defense. The Lord has become my salvation. They sang those words after God had led them safely through the waters as they were fleeing captivity in Egypt and they were being chased by Pharaoh's army. Singing praises to God has been integral in our relationship with the living God for the last couple of thousand years. But singing praises to God is not something that's exclusive to the Judeo-Christian tradition. This summer at the annual Folklife Festival downtown, there was an entire section dedicated to the spiritual dimensions of sound. Now, every July, it's a wonderful opportunity to encounter culture downtown on the National Mall. For more than five decades, the Smithsonian Folklife Festival has picked different themes and they help people encounter culture and creativity from around the world. They bring people who are active practitioners of tradition and who are people who hold ancient traditions and they bring them to life in interactive presentations and experiences. Now, the focus changes each year, and this year I was really kind of surprised to discover that one of the two themes was living religions in the United States. There were many programs offered over those two weeks, that told the stories and the lived experiences from people in the Buddhist tradition, the Christian tradition, people in the Jewish tradition, the Islamic tradition, people who are Native American, Pacific Islanders, people who practice in indigenous African religions, people who are humanist and ethical and spiritual, but not religious. While in that living religion section of the festival, there was an opportunity to encounter many different aspects of those religions. In the one that focused on sound, they had drum circles, they had Christian choirs, they had Buddhist chanting, and a variety of other traditions incorporating sound. Next to that was the stage where they had the body and spirit section, where they featured hula dancers, African dancers, and others who showed how music and movement are woven together into a living faith tradition. And then further down the way, there was another area dedicated to kitchen theology, This was something that felt close to my heart because I have seen how the heart of our church lives in our kitchen. We know that food is vital for spirit and soul together. Food can nurture and heal body and spirit. And the presentations in that area included the kitchen and also the garden as spaces of reflection and healing. Now we know that there are a variety of food traditions in the U.S. that are practiced by many different religious communities. I can't tell you how many jokes about potlucks and Methodists I've heard over my life as a pastor. (laughs) But food does play a vital role in expressing our religious identity. We see in the book of Acts how often the early church gathered together in homes to share a meal together to share a meal as part of their worship experience. This is partly rooted in the tradition that Jesus established for us. This moment is described in the Gospels, and it is captured also by St. Paul. When we have Jesus, who was a Jewish rabbi, gathered in the upper room with his friends, and he took bread and he took the fruit of the vine and he established a living tradition for us this is how saint paul describes it in his church to the letter i'm sorry in his letter to the church at corinth i received a tradition from the lord which i also handed on to you on the night in which jesus was betrayed our lord took bread after giving thanks he broke it and said this is my body which is for you Do this to remember me. He did the same thing with the cup after they had eaten. And he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Every time you drink it, do this to remember me. Every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you broadcast the death of the Lord until he comes again. This holy meal that Christ gifted to us as a living tradition of faith has sadly become a point of contention across many different religious traditions in the Christian faith. I have been at worship services where the ushers knew that I was Methodist and I was not a member of their tradition, and they had made it clear that I was not welcome to come to the table that day. There are other denominations who cannot worship together because of their different views on the way that we see what Jesus has established for us. Some traditions teach that the bread and the wine or the juice transform into the actual and literal body and blood of Jesus. On the other end of the spectrum, we have churches who teach that it is simply a memorial meal. Nothing more than that. Nothing more special, but just something that remembers Jesus. The United Methodist Church absolutely affirms the real presence of Christ at the table, so it is much more than a memorial meal. But we do not embrace transubstantiation, which would say that it is becoming the literal body and blood. We have an excellent book that teaches what United Methodists believe about Holy Communion, and I love the title. It's called This Holy Mystery The book goes on to do its best to explain a mystery, but at the core, that is what we hold as the beautiful gift of what God has given to us. We encounter a holy mystery. The book does go into some detail about what we think about this mystery. Quote, holy communion is remembrance, commemoration, and memorial. But this remembrance is much more than an intellectual recalling do this in remembrance of me is anamnesis a biblical greek word it is a dynamic action that becomes the representation of past gracious acts of god presenting them in the present moment we present them so that they become present to us now christ is risen and alive here and now not just remembered for what was done In the past, end quote. In a few moments, we who have gathered here in this sanctuary, and maybe you at home, if you have gathered crackers or bread and juice or wine, we will share together in communion liturgy. Liturgy meaning the work of the people. It is our job that together we will remember, we will use that Greek word of anamnesis, we will remember what God has done, not just in our minds but in a way that brings it true to the present moment. Just like Isaiah was echoing the ancient story of the salvation from the Exodus, we will hear the same echoes today in our communion liturgy. Those echoes will come into this present moment to remind us that God has saved us, God is saving us, and God will continue to save us. And so when we gather around the table and share communion, when we embrace this holy mystery, we are practicing just one part of our living religion. Following Christ and being a Christian is more than just memorizing what we believe. It's more than going through the motions of an empty and ancient ritual. Our faith is about encountering a living God, A living God who shows up in hospital rooms and sanctuaries. A living God who shows up in prison cells and 12-step meetings. A living God who calls us to encounter grace and to be transformed by that holy moment so that each and every day we are made more holy. This holy mystery reminds us that as we encounter Christ in communion, We are repeatedly touched by divine grace, and we are progressively shaped into Christ's image. All of this work is not done in a single moment. It is instead a lifelong process through which God intends to shape us into people who are motivated by love, who are empowered, and who are an impassioned people to do Christ's work in this world. One purpose of the sacraments is to remind us of our need for spiritual nourishment. The Lord's Supper reminds us that life is sacramental, that God shows up in the ordinary moments of breaking bread and sharing in the cup. It's an opportunity for us to be open to an encounter with the holy mystery of God's presence to us in this world. It reminds us that grace abounds not only in our liturgical celebrations but grace abounds in the ordinary moments of our everyday life. God's grace orders and directs our lives in mysterious and wondrous ways. This summer one of the moments of grace that surprised me was when I went down to the National Mall for that Folk Life Festival. They had an opportunity to participate in what they called a community sing. This event was more than an hour long, and it was hosted by a group of Mennonites and a group of shape note singers. The shape note singers had been leading presentations in the other section that year. It was focusing on the Ozarks. But they came and they brought their gift of music. And they passed out hymnals and shape note sheet music And for the next hour, those two groups led all of us gathered there in an a cappella hymn sing with four-part harmony. We sang a few songs that were familiar to me. It is well with my soul. On Christ the solid rock I stand. But there were many, many songs that I had never heard before or a few that I thought I knew. And then when they started singing, I realized it was an entirely different tune to familiar words. For the very last song, they invited us to gather close to the front in the space between the chairs and the stage, and we tried to create a circle with more than 100 people singing together. The Mennonites introduced the final song, and they explained it would be a doxology that they called the Old 606, which was now on page 118 of their hymnal. And I thought, oh, the doxology, this is great, I know that one. But as they began to sing, I quickly realized this was not the doxology that I knew. And so instead of focusing on the music in front of me, I simply closed my book. And I stood on that ground and I listened to those in the circle singing around me. I allowed in that moment my heart to lift towards God. And I was in a sense of awe that I was standing on the same land where crowds gather every four years to witness the inauguration of a U.S. president. I was standing on the same land that has borne witness to protesters against injustice for many decades now. And there I was gathered in a circle, listening to brothers and sisters and siblings in faith, sing a praise to God as a practice of the living religion that we follow as Christians. So in a moment, I'm going to play a recording of this doxology for you. I couldn't find one from the actual festival, but you will be hearing a group of Mennonites singing it for us. And as you listen, I hope that you will allow this song to open your heart, to be ready to encounter our living God today. Whether that encounter is at the communion table, at the dinner table, or while taking a walk outside today.